everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That is true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org, and we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn more about the PNWA at pnwa.org. I uh, had a good conversation with Mark Lesser, uh, one of a few people I know of know of, or have met or interviewed who combined the business world with the mindfulness practice. Fascinating guy. Uh, he's done a lot of interesting work. Got a cool new book out. Uh, Mark Lesser is a, he's a speaker, facilitator, workshop leader, and executive coach. He is known for his engaging experimental presentations that integrate mindfulness and emotional intelligence practices and training. He is the author of five books, including his most recent, Finding Clarity, How Compassionate Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives, and uh, CEO of ZBA Associates, an executive development and leadership consulting company. His podcast, Zen Bones, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times, features cutting-edge interviews, supportive tools for creating more meaningful work, and potent mindfulness practices to develop yourself, influence your organization, and change the world. And real interesting guy. We just, uh, you know, I love diving into this stuff. I don't call what I do mindfulness, but it kind of is really. So we have a lot of great things to talk about. He's got a good new book, and I'm so glad I get to share this conversation with you now. Enjoy. Yeah, we have got Mark Lesser on the show. Mark, welcome. Uh, thank you, Bill. It's great to be here. Uh, it's good to have you. you. Got a new book out, Finding Clarity. It's got a very long subtitle that I did not memorize. Perhaps you did. Do you remember the subtitle? Can you? you of course, you did. Yes. Uh, well, it's funny. I, I struggle with it, but it's how compassionate accountability builds vibrant relationships, thriving workplaces, and meaningful lives. Yes. Very but, good. But but it's really you know it's that it's it's. Uh, that through line between you know the individual the workplace and our relationships and, yeah. and to me man those are all those are all great places you know we were just talking about uh, uh self-awareness and personal growth and that's those are the arenas those are the main arenas i was talking to a client of mine and i said and she was referring to her husband who really loves his job and really loves her and i was like you know if you love your work and you love your partner, that is a lot of your life, right? There. Like that is most, frankly, that's most of what your life is going to be, you know, if you have a partner and if you have work. Yeah. Well, it was good old um, Sigmund Freud who said, you know, uh, work and love, work and love. And yeah. those, those are the, you know, the key, the key areas, right? That if we can, if we can, our feeling, feeling is some the, the the satisfaction, the richness, you know, the lack of grasping in those areas. There's a lot to be said for just oh. that. It's where you're going to spend most of your time for sure. So you've got an interesting journey that you took. You are you spent a lot of time in the business world. That's kind of where you professionally dwelt for a lot of it. You created two two businesses that I counted in your biography, um, but you came at it through the unusual portal of uh, Zen, uh, of, of mindfulness. Um, 
Talk to me about that. That was an interesting, you were a young man when that, when you made that decision, you're, I mean, college age, which is, I don't think when most people are actually drawn to mindfulness, if I'm, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just so clear to me, um, you know, when I was, uh, college at Rutgers and it was, a, you know, as I, as I talk about, I think in the preface of the book, some combination of, um, you know, reading, reading about, about well-being, you know, through the lens of uh, existentialism and humanistic psychology, uh, a little bit of um, being introduced to hallucinogenics had definitely had some, some influence on me. I was impressed with you were willing to cop to that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's become, it's, it's become a huge and I can, you know, I, I, I get, I get it. Uh, why, but I, you know, I happen to have a professor who who was who was um, getting me government grade um, hallucinogenics and being kind of kind of, kind of a mentor. Yeah, wow. So I think combination of for me it was my age, um, some the reading, times. some the times, yeah. and and uh, yeah, I just needed to get out of New Jersey and college and do some exploring and. And I walked into the San Francisco Zen Center, you know, I was in my early 20s and it was just home. It was just like, yeah. wow, this is home. Yeah. Uh, I still have the letter that I wrote to my parents explaining why I was not coming back to college yeah. and, and why this was exactly the education that I needed. Man, that must have been a hard letter to oh, read. Holy, that must have been a tough <laughs> letter to read. You know, I've, yes, as a parent yep. and as a son, I can, I can, that they must have thought, oh, Jesus, what's become of this person? Oh, exactly. We're losing him. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I didn't realize what did he do at college? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They did send someone to um, rescue me from, oh. the cult, from the cult. Sure, and, sure. And of course, of course, that person ended up being part of the Zen Center <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, God, don't send another one. We're going to lose him. All right. So, you know, I, I, two words I think it's I'd like to drill down on that one is well-being because I was once I was talking to my dad about something I was going through or, or something I've been teaching and been interested in and I used the word and well-being was the word I landed on because it seemed to encompass so much and when I said he said what's that and I was like and the reason it surprised me is like okay how do I describe that I've come to my own language how do you describe that word how would you define that word yeah yeah um, but I know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what, there's many ways to describe it, but maybe riffing off of where you started this conversation, it is, I think, some sense of um, satisfaction in our love lives and our work lives. Ah, I mean, that, I mean satisfaction. Satis satisfaction. I like it. Good word. Or... Or um, yeah, a, a sense of uh, some combination of acceptance and motivation to grow and learn, right? Yes. So, so, yes. so not too much. Not too much. It's not. It's not like acceptance. It's not like whatever. Yeah, I'm done. Like no, you're not done. Uh, no, but it's done. not. But it's not a um, a grasping and dis. It's not a dissatisfaction with where I am. So it's um. One of my favorite paradoxes, right? Accepting what is and working toward growth and change. Yeah, 
Absolutely. One of the things I've had to come to terms with, and it certainly is around creativity where I've learned it, which is in order to create what I want, I have to accept where I am. That yeah. acceptance is sort of the platform from which growth. I always think of it like the metaphor. It's like if I'm in San Francisco and I want to get to Seattle, I have to accept I'm in San Francisco to tell my GPS. This is, I can't just say, put me in Seattle, put yeah. me in Seattle, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, totally. And I would just underscore that, that acceptance is hard. It's really hard. We humans are not wired for acceptance. We are, we are hardwired for desire. We're wired for dissatisfaction, right? I mean, there's a lot of, this is, this is, this is science and evolution. And in some, in some way, this is how, you know, Buddhism and probably all contemplative practices grew out of that problem like we have a problem here right like like why is everyone so unhappy why you know why why are they killing each other over needing more land or more power or more whatever yeah and and like and and then there's also i think in um you know bringing it to the the realm of leadership and work today most people, if you really look carefully, have this implicit assumption that I need to be hard on myself. I need to be dissatisfied in order to get anything. Or I won't do. It's the whip and the carrot. It's yeah. the whip and the carrot. Like I won't do it unless I someone is making me do it. Yeah. So not true. Yeah. So. Or, yeah. Or if, I'm, if if they're not making me do it, I have to be hard on myself. Right. 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 So that's the. You know, it's so this 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 practice of um, acceptance is really you know uh, profound. I mean, I you know, yes. I, I I I'll admit right here, I'm I'm not always that good at it. Um, I might be better, maybe I'm better than the average bear. I'm not even sure about that, but uh, I know you know. I'll tell you why you're better. I'll tell you why you're better. Okay, this tell is, me. I'll tell you. But this is something I've come to understand because the thing I'm focused on now is practice. And you will be better the moment you understand you're practicing it. Because if you don't understand it's a practice, you can't, you just, it happens. Like I help people get into the flow when they write. And I'm like, look, if you think it happens accidentally, then you have no, if you can start practicing it, you have some, does that make sense? Yeah. As soon as you know the practice exists. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, as soon as I'm um, feeling, you know, if I'm feeling my own judge or dissatisfaction or comparing I'm, I at least, at least I bring up, oh yeah, I'm doing that thing that I'm always helping other people not to do. That's right. (laughs) That's right. There it is. There it is. Oh man. And you know, the truth is, so I was talking to Martha Beck, whom I adore. I got to interview her for books. And and I, so I do the kind of work you do also, which is, and I, I've got to remind myself, I'm my first client. I'm the first person I teach. I am the I am the laboratory that is always open, you know, because I feel like I learn through myself everything I'm wanting to teach others as well. And I'm always learning it. Yeah, yeah. No, and what I love about this work is that everything, once you once you realize that it's it's the great laboratory of of self and that everything that I read and watch and listen to and all my conversations are, are, are part of that, part of that, part of that practice, you know, yeah. good, good, bad, or indifferent. It's part of the practice. Oh, never stops day and night. Okay. So you remind me a little bit of a fellow I've 
got to talk to a couple times named Joel Fotinos, who you may you may know him, but he's uh, he was the publisher of Torture, and now he's got an imprint somewhere else. But he's the spiritual businessman, and the reason I find him so interesting and you so interesting, and I because I've not really dwelt in the world of business, although publishing is business, but it's not my part of it, is how interested the business world is, if given the opportunity, in mindfulness and in spiritual practice. That's, he did it. And that was your, after you left the Zen center, you moved into the world of business, but through the concept of mindfulness in the world of business. And they're open to it, obviously, obviously, but I still am delighted and surprised when I hear that. I have to admit my image of it being a little crunchy numbers and blah, blah, blah. So talk about that interesting transition, if you would. Yeah, well, you know, uh, well, one of the big surprises to me was my life at the Zen Center. I found myself being asked to take on leadership roles. And, and that was the first aha that, oh, uh, I like this, and yeah. and and why why isn't everyone bringing awareness, well being, mindfulness into the world of work? And and I kind of discovered some people were there were there were some people just starting to to talk about it. You know, there was um, the book In Search of Excellence, one of the best selling business books ever. Mm. The, the language in that book was about like the importance of storytelling, the importance of having you know of of acceptance was kind of built into what yeah. they were talking about as, oh, yeah. wow, this is this is about as mainstream as business gets. So it it gave me some, a little bit of uh, motivation that this could be something that, could, could be something that I would spend my, you know, my life energy doing. And I ended up going to business school and then I started a small publishing company uh, that, that just perfectly, in many ways, integrated a lot of these things because we were, uh, it was a, a greeting card calendar company called Brush Dance that was licensing the words of the Dalai Lama and Thich Nhat Hanh. So, <laughs> so, so we were creating spiritual inspirational products, but it was a business, you know, right. with, with investors, with, right. you know, like, like my friends would ask me, how's it going? And I'd say, man, I, I love everything about it, except for the people and the money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, you know that hiring and firing and building yeah. a team and all of that yeah I learned, but i learned i learned so much um yeah. and then i did that for 15 years and 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 shortly after i i left being a ceo of that company i got a call from google saying hey you know we really want to develop a mindfulness emotional intelligence and leadership program here for engineers and i was like wow Wow. And it was, it was interesting. Finally, finally, my parents would have gotten, you know, they were so worried about me having dropped out of school and 10 years at the Zen Center. But all of that kind of allowed me to then do the kind of work that I that I've been doing. And I think to your point, I think we're still in the I think in the early stages of a recognition that humanness is good for business essential yeah. for business yeah that we yeah. that we we had a hundred years of this underlying assumption that you needed to root humanity out of business for it yeah. to be for it to be good yeah so interesting but but I, you know but but that led i think that assumption in part led us to you know not only humanness but like humanness and environmental concerns let's let's not pay any attention to those let's let's yeah. just make, let's just make money Right. You know, I do think, when I think of humanness, I think of 
love, I think of thriving, I think of experience, you know. And but when I but the thing about business that is inexorably tied up in is survival. Survival, survival, even though it's about way more than that, but because it's money making, it's survival and survival can strip all the humanness out of the humanity. And I think that's probably where the conflict came in. Yes. And even, you know, I was, um, there's some really interesting research about like how word associations. So if you, if you use words like the word money or the word resources or stock market, people are people become tighter, people become less generous, people become become a little bit less connected to each other. So there is, there is built into, you know, the world of business and work, it, it, it does separate us from our humanity, almost just by, you know, by, by definition. So it, it does require, I think, some practice, some work to, you know, to bring that humanity in. And then, but once you, once you experience the beauty and the, the effectiveness of bringing those things together, I think, um, and again, you know, they are, they are separate disciplines and they are, I think, you know, inextricably overlapping disciplines. They they have to be because, so I teach writers, I really teach them to be about being a human who is writing. Like I'm not so much interested in the, I like the craft, but that's not what I teach. Because you never stop being a human. So I don't care if you go to work in a restaurant or a fortify. You're still a person. You never stop being a person. And being a person is the same challenge. I don't care if you're on top of a mountain or in the bottom of a subway. You're still a person. Yeah. And you got to deal with your personhood. It doesn't go away. Yeah. doesn't go away. And, and one of the things that I've discovered and, and write a lot about is that because of that, the world of work and business and enterprise is a great cauldron for self-awareness and for developing yeah. well-being, yeah. right? Because because it's not about, oh, I'm just going to, you know, y- you might be a great warm-hearted person when you're sitting out on the beach drinking margaritas, but but show me who you are when it is in the world of money, when things are difficult, when people are not getting along. Now, that again, there's, uh, and, and, you know, I've uh, I've got the scars to prove how much I've learned from uh, being you know from the from the business world from yeah. uh, from running and growing a couple of different companies. You know, it, you, the finding clarity. It's really about two things I, from my reading of it, which is clarity. But the other critical element, which is in the snuck into the subtitle, <laughs> is compassionate accountability. And what's interesting, so accountability, accountability. Yeah. And when I read when i started reading the book i was like "Ooh, accountability i agree with him tricky word i thought tricky word and it turns out i was not the only one who thought that because i thought judgment is inevitably and you had to wrestle with that but that really was the word you wanted to stick with so talk about the importance of accountability and compassionate accountability yeah i like accountability for the same reason that i like you know having to deal with business and money and enterprise and getting getting stuff done right that, that there is there is a you know me- measurement good right and a- accountability has within it a kind of measurement right something that we can sure. that we can uh, that we can assess and and i think these are essential these are essential for for business I've noticed that the word that I've been gravitating toward as a close cousin of accountability is the word alignment. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. interesting language. When we hear accountability, there's some aversion, 
alignment where like, oh yeah, I like, oh yeah, I like that. That, that feels good. Yeah, yeah. friendly. <laughs> Accountability, not friendly. Yeah. <laughs> but, because, but there's a lot of overlap there because, you know, there's, when we think about accountability, am I being accountable to myself, right? There, it's like, in what way am I aligned? In what way are my values and what's important to me aligned with my goals, my actions, my words? So there's that. And then when it, so much of accountability has to do with people working together, working in right. pairs, working in teams, working with cultures. And there it's all about alignment. Are we, in what way are we aligned about what we're measuring, how we're measuring it, how we're working together? What does success look like? That, that those are, oh yeah, th those things, those things we all I think could agree are, uh, are really important. And they all, I think, fall under this, this uh, umbrella of um, accountability. Yeah. And, you know, it's tricky because we always want other people to be accountable. Right. right. We really do. Like if they say they're going to be here at 10, God damn it, they should be here at 10. If they say they're going to finish the thing, but, but then for ourselves. And so it's kind of, it's, it's, you know, I don't, you think a great practice around this. And I know you get into the book. Some is I've had to learn to be accountable to myself. And the way I do it is saying, look, you are not feeling good. And it's by, because of what you're thinking, do you care about, do you care? Cause if you care, you'd stop thinking that. So like actually, Take right. care of yourself on that level. Right. Like, right. Be accountable right. to yourself. Does that make sense? Create yeah, a good yeah. work environment in yourself. Yeah. But in relationship, there's that beautiful axiom of, you know, we judge others by the impact their words and actions have on us. And we yes. judge ourselves by our intentions. Right. Talk about that. Talk so, about that. I, I, I just think every we should have that that should be you know required to be sewn into all of our clothing <laughs> um, by our intentions because what we meant to do well we're all good pe as you were saying right. you know, I I meant to be on time like, like I, you know <laughs> right. like yeah right. yeah it might be a little I I meant to be on time but it bugs the hell out of this if if when when you're late like how could you you know like man you 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 disrespected me you're late so that's that that core. Yeah. That yeah. core. This this is where I think we again we come back to our own evolution. We we we're not only hardwired to be dissatisfied, we're hardwired to be safe, and and yes. and we are so easily threatened. You know, we're, we're, we're there's this scanning for threats, and and if something if something is unaligned, it it can't be my fault. It's got to it's got to be right. So it's almost. We, we we almost unconsciously go right to blame or thinking that we know oh, yeah. people's intention. So that's the, the I mean, you know, we, we could we could end, you know, end war if we could get to, you know, really, really unpacking like like wh why do we need like why am I threatened by why do I need that land? Why do I need that power? Right. But all those things are playing out in, you know, much less you know why why do i need that role that position that money and and the the comparative mind and and that that sense of that that scanning for threats is is huge to become aware of how how we're doing that and to be able to have some awareness and loosen loosen that that up a bit yeah it's such a discipline to remember that your well-being and I, you know this i have to practice every oh 
Oof, all the time, which is it's unconditional. I, you know, I, I think I suffer when I think it's conditional. I need that publishing contract. I need that call from the whoever. I need, I need that. And every time I start, every time I place my well-being on some condition, yeah, it's I, it's a problem right away. And that is the source of war. I am certain of it. It's all conditional. It's understandable. Right. I'd rather yeah. have a house than not have a house. But if you make it conditional, you run into yeah. trouble. Yeah. Well, again, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit, there's the, the accountability part is that, you know, events matter, right? It's, it would be, sure. it would be, it would be false to say that events don't matter. Our condition matters, how we are in relation to other people. It matters, but it's not automatic, right? No, that, no, no. This is where, this is where you have a we, role. You, you, yeah, you, you have a, you have a role and that imagine that you, right, that the lens in which we can see ourselves in the world through is part of, is a, is a practice, oh. is a, is a variable practice. And, and also I think, um, you know, being able to, uh, develop a, a strong enough sense of our own, our own self, our own ego that we can we can not be quite so caught by the story, the story of me, the story yeah. of, of, of what, what the, right. The conditions that I need in order, I will be happy when, when, I will be happy oh. when is, is, is a, oh, I, you know, I'm always astounded. You know, I, I, I will disband one of those. And then I will, another one, I realized I got another one sneaking around in there that I didn't, like, I didn't even, I was certain at a certain age, I looked up at one point and thought, I thought I had to be like famous, like famous if I, or to be happy. I thought that is insane, but I quietly held on to that belief and not, never acknowledged it, but it was there. It was there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think we must all have them, you know, I'm pretty aware of this stuff and I got it, you know? Well, I think this is, you know, I just saw a, um, one of the headlines, I think in this morning's or yesterday's New York times was how bad social media is for teenagers well-being. Yeah, I think I saw the same headline actually. Yeah. And, and and I notice it myself. Like, you know, I go on to I go on to social media and gee, why don't I only have this many followers? <laughs> and, and like like what is that? Like it's just it's just it it's made to comparison. Uh, one comparison. Comparison. Oh, it's just, yeah. It's just it's just it and it doesn't it doesn't mean to be that necessarily i've had some lovely experiences because of social media but there is so much paying attention to who likes and who doesn't and oh my god yeah it's yeah. a screwy focus so you so mark you're doing this work now you're into you're your contractor so you 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 coach and contract out your work but do you like it are you happy doing it you talk are you do you like this form of the work that you're doing you know it's funny you know, to talk about comparison i i sort of I think about this a lot, you know, that I, I sometimes describe what I do is I like starting companies. I like building teams. I like growing things. Um, and in between I do coaching and consulting work. Um, however, I'm now at a place in my life where I'm, I'm appreciating the simplicity of not growing a company and building a team. So, on the one hand, I love building teams and, and growing companies because it gives you there's a there's a sense of 
being able to have a, a, a larger reach. I like working with people. I like working with yeah. teams. And, you know, there's a simplicity. To, there's a simplicity to having a smaller company. I mean, I, I still, I, I, um, I don't have employees, but I have a team of contractors who I work with various I feel like things. It's just a matter of time before you turn this thing into a business. Like, a, like, <laughs> like it's just going to happen. You're just going to look up and you're going to have a full-time assistant. And you're going to look up and you're going <laughs> to. Well, even, you know, it's funny. It's one of the things that I love about writing books. I've, I've learned that I can't do it by myself. Um, okay. I need, I need a good editor. Uh, I love working with the publisher you know, and then the publisher brings in their editors and designers. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, so suddenly there's a team and it's like, great, because, I, you know, uh, blending and bringing in a lot of different skills is fantastic and exciting and, and essential. Have you had chances to have some conversations about this? I mean, obviously, you talk to people about this subject all the time. Anyway, that's why you wrote the book. But since the book's come out, have you got to talk to some people besides me uh, that you might not have otherwise? Oh, definitely. Def yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a PR machine these days. Oh, really? <laughs> Good. Teach us your secret. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've, um, uh, yeah, it's one thing, you know, I've discovered and this maybe I'm sure you know this, it's one thing to write a book. It's a whole nother thing to get the book out there in the world. And my sense is that it just has gotten harder and harder. Oh, uh, interesting. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I think I think the world has gotten noisier and noisier and 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 the and we I think there's this incredible uh, bifurcation of attention, right? The yeah. you know there's the attention of, like we now the the shows that we can watch or the music we can listen I to know. or the videos. I know. I know. So it's like 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 how how do you get if you're if you're not a known and famous person or you don't have a million followers on you know on wherever Twitter, how, yeah how, how how are people going to know about your book even yeah. so so i have to say you know it's been it's been a little challenging in that um i think this is a really good book and i've and anyone who's read it has said this is great you know you've yeah. brought it, and you've brought in the buddha and homer simpson and alice in wonderland yep. Yep. <laughs> and it's practical and it's useful and it's well written and um and it's like i'm i'm uh working to get it out there more in the world and thank you for what you do that's one oh, of the things you're, you're doing you're here. very welcome you're very welcome you know it is tricky and there's no formula but i do think the one thing is you want I, I do think it's important and i lose track of this myself is to say let me look upon that as a creative act too let me not as a not as just a not chopping wood i just don't think it should be done that way i mean there'll be a element of chopping wood but i think it's got to be creative you got to say what do i what idea inspires me around it and i don't know how else to do anything well other than to be inspired by it does that resonate totally, with you totally totally and this you know, we're getting back to where we started with you asked me the definition of well-being and one might be to be inspired by whatever we're doing. Right. Yeah. To find to find richness and inspiration every, everywhere, um, yeah. even in the challenges, even within the losses and the grieving. Right. To find to Absolutely. find to find a sense of wonder and, and yeah. richness in those things. I agree 100 percent. I've come to realize about myself that I actually only trust inspiration i i do other stuff and i try to operate independent of it but the times i am most certain of what i'm 
of the path I'm on is when it was I'm following something that is inspired that came to me that otherwise it's kind of just me spinning my wheels a little bit I think on a kind of hamster wheel oh Mark it is a good book it is a good book and it's going to help a lot of people it probably already has uh and you're obviously a great ambassador for it and so it's finding clarity with a very long subtitle but the thing i like about the book is the title is real it it's a, it's a it stands alone and that is the point of and i've been listening to a teacher recently who's been all about clarity and i've been thinking about the word clarity and here you are so you see kismet it all works so get out and buy it people it's good for you it's good for you but i'm not quite done with you mark i'm not quite done with you here's what i'd like you to do i want you to think you're someone look you're a teacher, you're a coach, you're a businessman, but you're a writer, written five books we've determined, we've calculated, that's five books. So I want you to think about all this writing that you've done, and if it's taught you anything, it's taught you what? Yeah, it's um, it's teaching me greater sense of um, acceptance and working for change, accepting myself, accepting the world as it is with all of its incredible pimples and challenges and divisiveness and uh and to be inspired by doing whatever i can to make a difference in the in the world in a positive in a positive way and and uh out out there trying to um help others do that i was thinking of i've yeah i've had some amazing conversations just today you know with wow. with uh, a variety of um executives and influencers and yeah, and just that sense of uh, I think staying uh, staying positive um, with a sense of uh, without sugarcoating and bringing in as much a sense of purpose and meaning as I can muster. I like it. I like it, Mark. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Bill. that i didn't think of it at the time but you know teaches you acceptance but what do writers want they want acceptance they want their work accepted but really it and actually i've written about this in my own books about every time you put a sentence down and you say yeah i love that sentence that's for me that's an act of self-acceptance it really is so so right listen i want to thank my producer rj jeffries thank you my friend and to all of you out there accept yourself you got it's nothing else it's all you got you are all you've got. Love is, is a form of acceptance. So go find something you love to do. Because when you do, that's accepting yourself. You find something you love to do, and then you do it. <laughs>